You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Good evening. How are you doing? We are live. It's just after 8 o'clock. Um, today we've got the 2nd of November. How are you doing, people? Welcome to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. My name is Matt Phillips, creator of OneChat Live, um, and this is the Sports Therapy Association podcast, recorded live every Tuesday at eight o'clock, and you can join us. Um, we stream onto the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page and also the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel um, if you do want to join us live. But if you're watching the podcast, and that's great as well, thank you very much for your support. Uh, do, if you get a chance, leave a rating on uh, particularly Apple Podcasts. Just leave, I don't know, if you need some help, five stars would be great, and some just really nice um, kind of descriptive uh thanks thankful words would be lovely um, it just helps us appear high in the google rankings which means that the great words of our guests reach more people it's not like a money generating thing it just helps us get out there so um thanks for everyone who's joining us live and um, before we kick into tonight's episode which i'm so excited about it's been such a weird week of different emotions listening to some of the topics and experiences of our subject matter tonight which is safety in practice um, before I do that, I just want to thank uh, last week's guests um, from the Massage Collective, who most people know them already. Um, we were joined by Anna Maria Mazzieri and Matt Scarsbrook. Sadly, uh, Becky couldn't join us. She was on a train to a field somewhere. Um, so uh, maybe next time, Becky. But yeah, it was a great episode. It's available uh, now to listen on podcast. Uh, just type in Sports Therapy Association and follow us, obviously. Um, and you'll be able to listen to the great discussion we had about how the sports massage industry has changed over the year with relation to becoming a bit more evidence informed um, and looking at therapy expo coming up and looking at the future next year and how we continue to kind of raise the stakes with regards to our place in kind of healthcare working with other professionals so it's a really good episode as always the guys the massage collective do a great job with some great references um, so i encourage you to listen to that um so yeah there we go so tonight's episode safety in practice um we're talking about safety for sports uh, massage therapists obviously it's something which can affect everybody and can and does affect everyone regardless of gender but tonight for this episode in particular we're going to focus um on uh female sports massage therapists um, and safety for them. At a later date, we will address um, safety for all massage therapists, which can incorporate um, other genders and other people. Um, and also, we're going to have a live one with some specialists as well. Um, I've got in touch, or thankfully, I've been put in touch with some specialists who are going to come on, and they they will have listened to the show tonight, and they will be able to share some advice and wisdom from and research and studies and that sort of thing. So it's going to be really interesting, and it all starts with the fantastic. 10 therapists female therapists who are going to be joining us tonight in four stages because i can only have three people with me up on the software but i think that's quite cool because if we had 10 people discussing stuff together we get a bit hectic so every quarter of an hour we have a little change where the people on screen will change and another three people will come up in theory that's how it is on my crib sheet whether it works out that way we'll see if you are joining us live i can see people are still uh, already filling up in the youtube stream and also in facebook stream Anything you do ask can appear up here. Um, for example, Glenn Murphy, thanks for joining us. Okay, we are here. You can start now. Ha ha. Thank you, Glenn. We were waiting for you, obviously. Um, and we've already got some of the people who are going to be coming up speaking um, in the uh, chat room as well. So Anne Cochrane is here. Uh, Sharon Headley is here. Becky Carroll has joined us. And the room is filling up with other people as well. Danielle Charner here. It's going to be great. Okay. Right. So. 
Um, I'm going to try, now I've done this introduction, to basically stand back. And I'm the timekeeper. I'll be swapping people over, asking a few questions, which people have been kind enough to ask um, in the STA members um, page this week. So apart from that, I'm going to leave it to the people on the screen. So we will bring up the first um, three um, sports and massage therapists for this section of the show in no particular order. Bring up Heather Venables and Catherine Reimer and Becky Carroll. So far, so good. Hey, people, how are you doing? Yeah, good evening. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and also not just for tonight, for the kind of discussions which have been going on behind the scenes. Um, I'm, I'm really, I've been really moved by it. I think I said, I think I used the expression welling up and tried to delete that and I couldn't. So it's probably showing a bit too much, but it's been really very emotional. I'm sure for you guys as well, sharing and talking and advising and it's been quite incredible. Um, so um, one thing I do want to say before we kick off is if anybody, we will be giving out an email address at the end of the show. If anybody is affected by the subject matter tonight, um, you may well be affected in strange ways, uh, which you didn't think you were going to be. And also be careful about little ears listening. There might be some of the topic matter which may be unsuitable for all audiences. But yeah, just to repeat, we will be giving um, an email out later at the end um, if you have been affected by the content tonight. But uh, before we do that, maybe yeah, I'm just going to hand over to you guys and introduce yourselves. Uh, maybe briefly just say your name and where you're based and what you do. Um, and then we'll start, once you three have introduced yourselves, we'll just start with why are we here? Why have we got this episode? And that's, that's for you guys to discuss. So in no particular order, just far away, introduce yourselves. Okay, so um, I'm Heather Venables. I'm a soft tissue therapist and I um, have a practice here in Poole in Cornwall. Don't make me talk. I want no male voice <laughs> for 10 minutes. Go for it. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Becky Carroll. I am the um, SDA rep for the South West and I am based in Tewkesbury, uh, North Gloucestershire. And I'm Catherine Reimer. I usually see my me commenting below, um, but I'm actually here tonight. Um, I'm usually one. I am one of the West Yorkshire STA regional reps, um, and I'm based um, near Garforth in uh, West Yorkshire uh, as a sports massage therapist. Fantastic. Right. So, question I've got here first was a brief introduction. Is is why do we need this episode? What? Um, yeah. Talk amongst yourselves. Why are we here? Why is there a need to do this? I I was talking with Catherine and Emma. Um, recently about this topic and it became terrifyingly obvious that it's a common occurrence and it's something that needs to be to be addressed um, the more therapists you talk to the more experiences they've got of this situation I, I for one thought I was in the minority and it turns out that I'm very much in the majority which is just awful and I think if we can kind of give advice or guidance to younger female therapists or not even younger but new therapists coming through um on how to minimize certain risks and that would be a great thing and, and i think you know as much as you realize that this kind of thing happens every now and then you don't think it's ever going to happen to you um so it may not be something as a therapist that you really thought through how you're going to respond to it when it does happen um, particularly because it, it's not necessarily something that's covered in depth when you're training to be a therapist. Um, but it is something that if you are prepared to handle because you've thought about what could possibly happen, it'll make it easier when it does happen. 
not that that means that it should happen because it shouldn't but we have to face the reality that it will happen at times and we need to make sure that we're prepared on on how we're going to handle it yeah i think it's an unfortunate situation that we've had to even make this a, a podcast um and actually be able to talk about it and the amount of people that even through the week we've chatted about um how much it's affected everyone um and even why it's um such a broad subject still even in this day and age what's really staggered me is that you you know you you'll hear it time and time again by different people saying that they're thankful and they're lucky that it's only happened a handful of times or it's been you know a mild experience and you think it, it shouldn't be that you're thankful that it, it's only been a mild occurrence it shouldn't happen at all it shouldn't happen and actually when I started thinking about my own experiences I thought I've only had a few and I start thinking through it's actually that one and that one and that one and that one and it's just not acceptable it's just not no and you know like when I, and I'm obviously going to talk about what happened to me in a little bit, but when I started thinking about it and reflecting on what happened, I started wondering, well, why? Why do people think it's acceptable to behave in that way when they come into clinic? And then it made me think about, um, you know, during COVID when we went into lockdowns, sports massage therapists and sports therapists were lumped in by the government into massage parlors. So is there this perception in society that when you go for a treatment, you can, it's okay to ask for a little extra if you fancy it? Well, no, we're, we're, that's not what we're there for. We're trained professionals who are providing a, a service to help people, but it doesn't mean that we're interested in that kind of service or that type of treatment. Um, and we should be viewed and recognized as professionals, but I think sometimes we aren't always viewed that way in society. Um, and that was reflected in, in the way that we were treated during the lockdowns, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's a good point because I think it was really brought home, wasn't it, that during lockdown, even even within our own industry, we were going, well, where do we fit into it all? Like, are we medical? Are we not medical? You know, so if we don't even know necessarily what the uh, the boundaries are as such, then how are other people meant to know? It's a good point. And it was also, also looking at, like, past traumas as well. Like, um, are we affected by certain traumas in our past that will reflect maybe on future um is where I maybe feel nervous or have a gut feeling around certain male clients is that because of something that's happened in my past that makes me feel that way am I reflecting badly on a male client even though he's done nothing wrong or maybe he has I, I wouldn't know and then that's because something that's happened in my past has made me that way it's a great yeah. point we'll touch on that later on just yeah. to give people because we've all been in a week I mean talking about this and it's been shocking and it's changed you know already um my my awareness of how severe this problem is but to give people who are listening who aren't quite sure about the the, the severity of it we've all you've all got experiences but heather would you be so kind as to kind of share your experience to to show what does happen yeah so um in july i went to work one day and i got a phone call from someone asking for a treatment it was a man he told me that he was a Marine on deployment in Cornwall. And I thought, okay, fair enough. He had a couple of days leave. 
um, and he was desperate for treatment because he said he was a marine diver and his legs, legs were aching. All sounded very, very plausible. Um, I didn't have any openings, so I told him that I couldn't actually see him on the day that he wanted to come in. But he said to me, and this is where my I started having a few red flags, but I thought he might have just been joking. He offered me £4,000 if I cancelled every single client and told him that I had COVID. And I said, no, that's that's completely unethical. That's not happening. Um, and he said, oh, I knew I would like you. Um, plus, you're American. You know, that that's really great because I like Americans. And I thought, okay, very odd, but all right. You know, maybe he's just joking. Well, that day I had a cancellation come through. So I rang him back and said, look, I've had a cancellation. If you want to come, you're welcome to come. When he got there, um, I can only tell you that it was the most terrifying experience I've ever had. Um, he got lost on the way. Uh, most people can't find the clinic. That's a normal thing that happens um, because of where it's tucked in. So I went out to the road to try and direct him in. Um, and he was very aggressive in the language, swearing at other drivers on the road and, and really quite agitated. And I thought, oh, this isn't, you know, a, a good start to the appointment. When he finally managed to get into the clinic, um, he was very erratic in his behavior. He it was very clear that he glorified violence and was talking about very violent things. Um, he claimed to be a Marine, but it became very evident that he wasn't actually a Marine. Um, he wouldn't disclose an address to me because he said he was a Marine and it was all classified, um, which I thought was really odd. Um, he then just started talking about all these violent things that he had done. And, and maybe he was a Marine in the past, but it sounded more like movie plots than actual things that he had done. Um, but he was talking about killing people and, and that kind of thing, which was actually really quite frightening. And at that point, I was thinking, how do I get him out? At which point he then became actually sexually aggressive in his language towards me wanting to show me what he called his pistol, um, which I said, uh, no, thank you, <laughs> and tried to get him out. But because he because he was so violent in his language and, and so erratic in his behavior, I didn't feel like I could actually like tell him very firmly that he had to leave. I felt like it was a very delicate situation. Um, and if I had actually stood up to him in the way that I wanted to, he probably would have done something. So I had to, to handle it very carefully to get him out the door. And I couldn't get him out the door. It took a very long time to get him out the door. When he finally left, he then stayed in the car park for two hours while I hid in the back of the clinic, waiting for him to leave as he kept trying to get back into the clinic. Um, in the end, the osteopath, um, who is part of the clinic, had to escort me to the car just in case he happened to still be around. Um, and I left. He was told he was banned from coming back to the clinic, but then he continued to message me, he started ringing me late at night. And he even showed up at the clinic uninvited um, and really frightened one of the clients who was waiting in the car park. Now, I had reported it to the police, um, but by the time they got back to me. It was a week after the initial event um, and they have classed it as stalking and harassment. Um, they gave me all kinds of guidelines on how to, to keep myself safe um, and my whole life changed overnight because they classed it as such a high threat. So I wasn't allowed to go for walks by myself. I wasn't allowed to take myself to work. My husband had to drop me off, pick me up. They told me to change my car. They 
you know, we had we had to come as a clinic, we had to completely change our, our staffing rota and schedules to make sure that I wasn't alone. Um, and if I was alone, I had to have my husband drop me off and pick me up. I couldn't have access to my own vehicle. It was it was quite frightening what happened and how quickly my life changed. About a month later, they told me that he was arrested and I felt like I finally had um, a bit of a reprieve, like my life could could go back. But he was arrested on other charges and I was told he didn't have capacity for the charges that were from my case. And about a month later, he was released from prison back into the local community. Um, and I'm back under those same restrictions that I was on previously because he is still classed as a threat to me. Um, and I'm still waiting for the police to, um, who have reopened the case to take care of things and, and get the, um, get the restraining order in place for my own protection. Um, and it's, this has been going on since July. So, you know, it's been a few months now and it's still not over. Um, and I'm still having to be very careful with what I do just because I happened to go to work and someone came to see me who decided that he was going to do something completely inappropriate. Um, and all I did was show up to work. There was nothing that I did to invite this and it just is something that has happened. And now I have to live with the consequences of that. Sounds like something out of a film um, and an isolated incident of kind of some wacko who's mm-hmm. you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. But as we proceed with the show and we get to hear from the other people, that will become all too evident that it's not. But Catherine and Becky, I'm sure it doesn't sound like as much of a, a one-off incident to you guys as it might do to some of the listeners. Um, can you relate to what's happened? And Yeah, I um, one of my experiences was um, I had a chap contact me who I've not seen before and he, he contacted me with a groin injury, which now I know is a red flag <laughs> from my experience. So he came in um, for treatment. We went through this objective assessment and I turned around to put my computer down on the on the side and as I turned around, he was stood there, stark naked, proud as punch. And my reaction was to just throw a towel at him, which, I, which then I remember after that appointment, I remember feeling bad that I threw a towel at him. That was what was left with me. I was feeling bad that I did that. But anyway, um, as you know, I thought, you know, I, was, I was quite green. I was new. You know, I, I'd not long come out of university. So I thought he's not going to get underneath my skin. I'm going to be very professional. Um, but as the appointment went on, he was um, saying things that were inappropriate. He was trying to touch me as I was m- moving around the couch. Um and at the end of the session, he asked me whether it was OK for him to stretch. And I was like, well, yeah, you do what you need to do. But obviously he's naked um, and he's doing downward dog and all sorts of, you know, just trying to make me uncomfortable. I thought you're not going to win. Um, and I was very aware of the time. And I remember saying to him that I'm really sorry, but, you know, I've got another client coming in. Um, he refused to get dressed and he blocked my way to the door, which just terrified me. Um but thankfully, uh, Chris, who ran the gym that I was working in at the time, did, he knocked on my door to, you know, and he just shouted through the door and said, uh, your next client here, which, I don't know, just put the fear into him, I suppose. He got dressed and he left. Um, and I, I viewed that as a, uh, you know, an escape, thankfully. But then 
on a few social um, situations, he, he, he was appearing. I've never seen this guy before. And on this one occasion, I was in the pub and my friend said, oh, there's this guy that looked really looking weird through the window. I looked up and it was him. And he was just stood there at the window, just staring right at me. Um, thankfully, one of my friends who was with me at the time was uh, a male police officer. And he went and had a, a chat with this guy. And thank such word, I've, I've not, he's not darkened my doorstep since. So um, nowhere near as bad as, as Heather's experience, but one that has stayed with me. And even now, like I said earlier, the one thing that I remember feeling is I shouldn't have thrown a towel at him. And yet you shouldn't feel guilty about that at all because that's the most natural reaction. Cover it up. That is not yeah. what we're here for. And I mean, you know, I even tried to make light of it and said, look, I need somewhere to stick the towel in, you know, and then, and then that was the worst thing to say because, you know, obviously he made a comment about, well, I know where I can stick it type of thing. And you know, it's just... Mm. it's interesting it's something i want to touch on with the other therapists who come up and i remember you saying it um becky in the in the chat before how people do try and make light of it i wonder if that is a defense mechanism or something or whether it's like trying to downplay it because yeah i want to i'm not going to make suggestions i want to hear some other therapists saying why that mm. seems to happen so long people who have been victims in these circumstances kind of turn into a bit of a joke and kind of like I don't know, maybe it's a defence mechanism. Catherine, yeah, you it, sitting that... there and listening to these two, can you, you relate to it? Does it sound as shocking as it might do for some? Or are you like, yeah, this, this crap happens? Well, sometimes you think that maybe you're remembering a situation differently to how it was, and that's why you're, you might make light of it. Um, mine are more personal situations, so mine are more outside of before, because I've only been doing this for over two and a half years now. Um, I've had, so I, it, mine kind of stopped at screening level, so they, I didn't actually meet this person. Um, but they text me asking for an undraped massage. I'd never heard of this. I thought this was a new technique. I, you know, I was very naive, you know, I, I'd not heard of that before. I actually had to ask someone what's an undraped massage. Um, I thought, was that just without a towel? I was like, I, don't, I didn't know what it was. Um, and then... He was saying, um, I said, no, you need to wear shorts. There's no, he said he had a benefit, there was more benefit to him not wearing shorts than wearing shorts. And I went, no, it's exactly the same wearing shorts. So I was like, no, you will have to wear shorts if I'm massaging you. And he said, it's fine. I found someone more expensive than you who will do it. And I went, that's fine. I was like, oh, well, what a shame. Um, but it, so I have got away with it, I suppose, be seen as lightly. Um, I've had um, stalkers as well in the past, but that was more through dating sites. So I don't, I don't do dating sites anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's mine's more personal experiences that I've had situations with than through sports massage. But it's all still suddenly now from what started off with oh heather you were so unlucky because there was this one weirdo in your town it's turned out to well no actually you know there there's a bigger problem here um as we'll find mm -hmm. out with more therapists as well and we will move on to other therapists with how to react if these things do happen we'll have some people talking about um how to maybe try and limit um the chance of this happening in the first place with screening which some of you've touched on already mm -hmm. so um 
look, guys, I want to, sadly, I could, oh, I feel better. I told you before we're going to have to do this <laughs> and it hurts me. My hands are like stuck to my head. Don't move them. But we've got other people waiting in the lobby who are going to share experiences as well. Um, but I do, uh, is there anything else you want to add before we swap you over for the other therapists or? No, I, I was just going to pick up on the point that you mm. made um, about making a joke of it. And that is actually a typical trauma response. Um, we make a joke of something because it makes it seem more normal to us because it's really hard to actually get your head around what's actually happened. Um, it's hard for us to admit that this has happened and to process it. And, you know, like I've, I've actually had to go through trauma counseling because of what's happened because it has been so terrifying and it's been really helpful. But, you know, you shouldn't have to do that if you're a professional. You shouldn't have to go through trauma counseling because you've seen a client. These things shouldn't happen. Um, and that, like, you're going to go on to talk about the, the things that you can do, but it's just so important, especially for new therapists coming out, to actually consider how they're going to prevent these things and to, to take it into consideration as part of their risk assessments and setting up their practices. It's really crucial for them. Yeah, I wanted to say as well that... Um... We don't want to put people off doing sports massage. This is more to help people to be aware of what's in the surroundings and what to be aware of when booking in uh, clients as well. Good point. Really good point. Yeah. Okay. Listen, um, Heather, Catherine, Becky, thank you so much. I wish I could keep you on for longer, but the idea of tonight is collectively to show the scale of this problem and then start moving on to what we can do about it. I mean, we could, Get, go on for ages about why it's there and talk about all of the why are so many guys like this but we want to get some practical advice to people who are listening um thanks to the experience of other therapists like yourself so thank you heather Catherine, and becky um, i'm going to remove you now much to my disgust and bring up the other therapists <laughs> i'm sorry i can't believe i'm having to do this but, i'll be um, down we'll in the comments you. again i'll go down in yeah, the yeah, comments please do go yeah, into the Facebook chat yeah. room <laughs> and continue okay so i appreciate your time eh? so thanks heather remove oh don't make me don't even say remove why can't the button say send to a better place right catherine thanks so Hi. much um and uh becky thank you so much chat later on right those of you listening to the podcast i'm back on the screen by myself now so yeah already setting this scene of, of what is such a serious problem but we're talking about it which is great and we're raising awareness of it and now we're going to move into more practical elements of how to um maybe test it in the first place with screening and then what to do if it does happen so we're going to have three more therapists coming up um who i'm going to bring through now so i'm going to bring up um let's have a look what we got here um verity king and daniel charna so verity coming up danielle coming up thanks Hi. for waiting you guys by the way um is our janet managed to um, behind the scenes we've had janet running around starting her own show calling people out i'm sorry janet if you're listening and can't make it there's been some kind of weird thing going on um so keep trying to get in the lobby if you can janet but in the meantime um let me bring up fiona who was supposed to be there in the beginning anyway right hey guys how you doing hi hi yeah thanks for waiting so patiently we're already over time but so difficult stopping people when you're talking about things like this so yeah let's do the start thing the same thing maybe just introduce yourselves a little bit about where you are um and what you do and then we'll move on to um yes yeah, strategies to um, avoid it happening in the first place um, so yeah introduce yourselves if you're so kind in any particular order 
I'll start then. Uh, I'm Verity. I've been doing sports massage for three years. Uh, previous career involved uh, security. Um, I'm one of the fortunate ones. I've not had any inappropriate incidents. Um, and sadly, I want to say yet, because at some point I'm expecting it. Um, and then I'll just discuss later on sort of the measures I've gone through um, to basically protect me and prevent anything like that happening. So, yeah, that's me. Um, I'm Danielle. So I'm based in um, Taunton in Somerset. I've been a massage and sports therapist for about seven, eight years now. Um, unfortunately, I've had a few minor issues. Um, nothing as traumatic as Heather's, luckily, but none the same still. Still things that shouldn't have happened in our industry. Um, I'm Fiona and I am also a sports massage and exercise therapist uh, working in Northamptonshire. Um, and I, my experiences have not been actually uh, of any similar experiences and not been in the clinic environment or in, in my role as a sports massage and exercise therapist. So, um, but I, I do have some experiences that have influenced how I operate. And I, I would say that that's probably uh, why I haven't experienced any issues in the clinic. Um, but also luck, part luck. <laughs> OK, so thanks for joining us, Verity, Danielle and Fiona. So, yeah, I want to move on to, oh, I suppose prevention is probably the wrong word. It, it sickens me and scares me, Verity, to see someone sitting there going it's only a matter of time for what happens it scares the hell out of me it makes me so sad that you again we're living in an age where a female therapist is sitting thinking well i've been lucky so far it's gonna happen that's like oh it makes me feel sick it really does but let's talk about things we can put into place starting maybe with you verity about um tactical ways of limiting minimizing the risk of yeah. these experiences uh, so I actually um the room behind me is actually a room in my house so i, I do work from home um, and my husband travels a lot, so I'm on my own a lot. Um, I don't have a booking system on my website. They need to contact me directly. And I um, I weighed up the pros and cons with uh, booking. Um, someone could just blindly book, and I have not been able to have a discussion with them. Um, I don't know them. Uh, so a lot of my clients have come either via recommendations with uh, friends or other clients or they've emailed me directly um, they've had to provide their contact number for me um, to email me so then I tend to give them a call um, if there's anything in the email any um, behavior or um, I say language um, I had one particular client uh, they weren't male as far as I know because um, I had to do some research on them they text uh, they messaged me and it was one sentence uh, I want to book in for a sports massage that's all they gave me and I said yeah that's great um could I just have your um your name please so I, I know who I can um, so that I can refer you to and they gave me their surname and that was it and I thought mm, this isn't sort of this this doesn't feel right um and then as the conversation went on things were just not adding up to what they were requiring or what they were requesting. Um, I was then giving them options and then they would um, sort of almost like shut me down uh, and then I'd have silence. And then a week later, I'd, I'd then have a barrage of more messages from them. Uh, in that 
on that occasion, I actually blocked their number. Um, so in regards to the booking system, I'm sort of, I feel like I have more control that they've got to contact me directly rather than just going on my website and saying, right, I'll just book that slot. Um, attend, sort of, you touched on the gut instinct. Um, if there is something that is making you feel uncomfortable, is there a particular way they've written something or they've said something, listen to it. Um, when clients um, obviously contact me, um, I have the, I will check Facebook. Um, I will look for their profiles uh, and you'd be surprised how much um, might be in the public domain about them. Um, and, then, and then obviously you can start building up a picture uh, in regards to that. Uh, I'll also search their mobile number because um, on Facebook, some people have their mobile number, which is searchable. They may say that um, they're of a um, gender and I know we're all sort of there's gender fluidity at the, um, that's in the forefront at the moment. Um, but that m m may give you a bit more information as to who you're dealing with, whether they're being truthful in what they're saying. Uh, and this is certain, just sort of me talking about this actually sounds pretty awful that I'm I'm going to these lengths because um, we shouldn't have to but I think when I've got somebody coming into my home and, and it's my my sanctuary um, I need to sort of feel that I'm safe in there um, when they come into the room um, I I've got three dogs um, I lock them in my lounge but I keep the front door unlocked that's for the client like uh, com um, I suppose a comfort thing for the client if they're not sure of me that the front door is unlocked they can just leave that's not a problem uh, they will follow me up on on the first treatment because uh, they have got to go upstairs um, I tend to tuck myself in the corner nearest to the door uh, not enough that they feel like they're blocked because I've got to think of them as well but near enough if I need to leave um, I can go. I've got my phone right behind me. Um, to to my left, I've got a bookcase, and basically, I keep my phone and I keep my keys, and that's uh, directly behind me if I need access to them. Um, I've said on instances where a client, I'm not sure of a client. Um, I've said to my husband and a best friend, if you don't get a message, a text message within 15 minutes after this appointment's finished, can you call me because something's wrong? Um, so I have gone to those lengths. Um, other things, um, uh, one thought that occurred to me today, and it was just from watching an American police program yesterday, they touch the car that they stop. If you are a mobile therapist and you are going to somebody else's house, and uh, this isn't to put anyone out off at all, it's just to prove that you um, have been present in, in, in that uh, dwelling or um, room, touch something so that your fingerprints are there, um, should anything happen. Um, because then that places you at that location should the worst, worst case scenario. Um, and also with uh, mobile, if you're going to somebody's property, Google map it, look at the location, look at the estate, um, have a look at the front door. Is there anything that's making you feel, um, I'm not too sure about this. Make sure that they do not lock that front door. 
as you enter, make, maybe make a joke of it if they go to lock the front door. That 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 straight away is a warning bell of why are you locking that front door. Um, make sure you're in a position that you've um, got a route, an exit route. Um, uh, that's sort of, I mean, completely not in the sports massage world. I, I had to go with a friend for a, a meeting with a reverend and it was alarm bell straight away and I was looking for the exit room and thinking, right, I'm near, near to that. They're not in the position to block me. Um, other things that I've done, um, leaving my rock blades out on visual. Um, normally they're in my little case, but if, if I don't know them, I do leave them out because um, they look they look like knuckle dusters so um it's most sort of it, it's more of a given impression this is this is a professional vicinity and even my website it's very much it's not um relaxation or anything like that it's very sort of straight down the line this is the treatment these these are the techniques that i may or may not use and sort of i think i'm more uh, i give off the impression that i'm quite detached and then it's only after a few uh, treatments that they start to go know me and then I might start opening up um, to them um, and then sort of just sort of the last point is uh, it was a question that was raised just before this was what point do you talk to the police um, the threshold and in all honesty if there is something that makes you feel uncomfortable the police all have an online reporting system and more often than not, you might think that it's a one-off and you were just unlucky. You you aren't. Um, this is repeat behaviour that they will um, attempt with numerous people until sort of they're banned, they then move on to the next person. Um, and that could be sort of in the public, it could be domestic as well. Um, so nothing is too small to report it because all that intelligence builds up and can form a profile of somebody um so never think oh i don't want to waste the police's time um you're not um stalking harassment is at the forefront unfortunately um after sarah everard's murder um so the police are it is paramount at the moment so don't ever sort of question yourself or think no nah, it was it was just me it was um something i did or um or you kind of victimise yourself and try and justify their actions. Um, that's all pretty much just report it. Um, and then more often than not, it's not you're not alone in, in that situation. Brilliant, amazing list. Um, thank you so much for that, Verity. And the last point as well, you're not just preventing it for yourself by taking these actions, you're actually preventing it potentially for other people by reporting stuff. So you're actually looking after the whole community, I need by letting the police know. That's amazing. Um, Fiona, you said that you put, you think that you've been fortunate up to now because of things you put into place. Is that, does that sound similar to you? I think. What Verity's been doing? Or do you think maybe it's a bit over the top? I wonder whether people are sitting there playing devil's advocate thinking, oh, wow, that's Well, I think um, I'm quite impressed at, like, Verity sound like you've done a lot of research and, your preparation and consideration a lot of people might be listening and thinking wow that's awfully detailed and maybe um it's it's perhaps a, a bit out of nowhere really to start considering these things if you don't have any previous exposure to it uh, an experience of um unwanted attention or um 
I suppose, like aggressive behaviour. Um, and it's very easy to tar, um, you know, one gender with the brush. But um, like you say, there's there's a whole host of considerations that, you know, really could influence how you feel about um, your level of risk. Um, I think that it's really important to know what's available to help and everybody's going to feel differently. Um, my precautions that I've taken, I'm actually currently not practicing in an in-person clinic at the moment. I've kind of just put it on the back burner and working virtually um, because of COVID. Um, but I did have a, a, a kind of alarm bells ringing kind of situation a few months before we, we went into lockdown that made me reconsider one of my locations. Um, and just, I think that they're reminders, I suppose, of of what the possibilities are when you're when you're jolted like that. You kind of think, okay, maybe I do need to to kind of put in an extra measure here, or or consider my my safety or the safety of the client. Um, I've been quite lucky. I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not saying that my height really helps. But I do think being six foot kind of helps um, put people off, you know, uh, and I've never really had, I, I would say that I've been quite, I, I, don't, I really don't want to use the word lucky, but I do think that helps, that's in my favour perhaps. Um, but putting myself into um, gyms and environments where I know there are people around and I get to know the people there um, has really been something that I've been very, certain that I wanted to do and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't choose to work from my own home um, or in a premises that only I work from um, and I think that it's yeah it's very individual um, but it is something that from a professional level I think if we're all seen to be singing from the same hymn sheet in terms of screening people and having protocols and um, processes that send out the clear message of the work we do, the nature of the work we do, then it would hopefully put people off even bothering because they just won't see a way in. Unfortunately, I think that being female does draw attention from certain types of people. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's people that you don't think are a risk and more likely to equally, you know, uh, and I'm smiling and I'm laughing, but it's really not funny. Um, and you can you can really misjudge people too. So I would say that if you ever have a feeling like a gut instinct that something isn't right, you know, you should never feel bad about that. Um, and, and don't second guess yourself. It's better to be safe than sorry. Um, I do think actually the mention of Sarah Everard um, is possibly triggering maybe slightly controversial thoughts like um i think that the reaction of the police to put the onus on women as victims or potential victims is quite a difficult thing to react to um because it's obviously a cultural issue as well um and we need to educate people and it's a societal issue that we really also have to address and you know why should we be having to spend the extra money on CCTV and whatever just to, for peace of mind when actually the, the work needs to be done by all of us really um, you know it's a big picture kind of thing
Um, Definitely, yeah. There's a whole other debate, isn't it, on on why should anyone have to worry about their safety and and you know why can't we just remove this ridiculous kind of behaviour? But yeah, as far as screening goes, um, Danielle, what have you got put in place compared to Fiona and Verity here? Uh, somewhere in the middle, I guess. Um, I'm lucky that I work within um, a clinic environment, so there's a team of us there. So rarely we're alone. Um, I think COVID has helped us out, actually. Our pre-screening has increased. We've also got more security measures. It used to be that we could be working on our own upstairs and the front door's unlocked. Um, We don't have that now. We have a proper security system. It was something I always felt quite uneasy about. I never felt very safe in the environment. So I certainly feel better now. We've increased our security, but it's that feeling we shouldn't have. We shouldn't have to feel as uneasy as we do. Um, completely agree with the gut feeling thing. It's something you learn as the years go by, I guess, but it's so important to trust it. I think my gut feeling's been right nearly every single time. And if I've not felt comfortable, I've now gained that confidence to be able to refu- refuse treatment. Um, but it is hard, especially when you're starting out to know how to deal with it that trust your instincts thing just a shout out to sue richards who sally couldn't join us um tonight but she she's she contributed hugely in the group and, and gave some advice for people who don't know sue we'll have to make sure we get on the show maybe we we'll get some experts on sue um was a p instructor slash prison officer and she working in female and male jails um and in fact when she worked in a male jail she was the only female in the p department um, so she was taking classes of male inmates on her own. So she has been in some pretty kind of hostile environments and, and, and trained a lot. And her biggest takeaway from doing that work and staying safe was trust your instincts, you know, listen to it. So I do wonder whether part of the problem maybe is people ignoring the little voice inside thinking, oh, I'm just overreacting. Is that something yeah. either, all of you is possible? Is that the case? You dismiss it thinking, oh, I'm just being over, going over the top. I think no. so. I think maybe you question whether it's only happened to you. I think this this podcast is amazing because actually it's opened up how common it is, which as much as it's really sad, is actually reassuring to know it's not just you. It's not people that have picked you out. Um, I completely agree. It's, yeah. Gut. Listen to a little voice in your head. Mm. Um, Fiona Verity, have you got any tips for people who, who don't listen to the voice in their head? People who just dismiss it and think, oh, I'm going over the top. I mean, can you go over the top? Could you be paranoid and just end up driving yourself mad? I'd, I'd say sort of, I, I'm on the extreme scale of, of screening, but I suppose that's because of my background. But um, I think. I think you need to be in a you need to be in a thought process of is this client do I enjoy treating this client and do I look forward to treating them because if you don't and you dread it why are they on your books um, mm-hmm. and I know there's people out there who aren't thought sort of they're in a position that that actually this client pays for something but if you're in that situation that you're dreading it it destroys any enjoyment out of your job role. Um, And it's, I think, I know with client confidentiality, obviously we we can't discuss things, say, with a a husband or a wife, 
but I think it's a difficult one if if there was something it, it's, it's a difficult one if there was something that was mentioned in in that and you're just like really should I was that appropriate and uh, or even in uh, STA sort of coming on the STA group or just message actually messaging STA and saying I had this client uh, and certainly for the uh, newer therapists I had this client that sort of said this or did this is is this normal is this right um potential it may highlight that actually no it's not um and it may give confidence to that person to start identifying uh where things may not be going right okay thank you very much right guys i'm sorry but, um, we've come to that time again well, i need to kind of just chuck you out I've got other people queuing up waiting again but um, i'm so sorry about that but i really appreciate your time very team danielle and I Fiona. Um, <laughs> well I'm, we're gonna have a little chat about that in the in the next section i think um yeah i mean all of you have kind of said in your own way don't let us put you off but be on guard as well so we'll develop that in the, in the next section thank you verity danielle fiona so much for giving up your time do join the facebook group and continue input there's loads of stuff going on in the comment section which is lovely thanks guys for having a little discussion in there at the same time take this opportunity to to talk because that seems to be the common theme isn't it talk with somebody else if you're worried about something get advice don't just trap it inside your body and and have this internal dialogue so thanks guys i'm gonna move you out if that's all right um so thanks, thank you verity. thank you yeah. And thanks, Fiona. And thanks, Danielle. Boom, here I am all by my Todd again. Right, so, um, so much food for thought. Um, and again, I'm so sorry that I had to get rid of them for now. But we have uh, more people coming up onto the screen of waiting patiently here. Um, let's see. Right, just checking who's down there. Okay, so we're going to bring up Emma Wardle. We've been waiting patiently. Hey Emma, how are you doing? Hiya. Um, we'll bring up some Anne Cochrane. Thank you very much. That can come up there. Um, and uh, Sharon Headley as well. There we go. One, two, three. There we are. Right, I'm Max Marie. Hi guys, how are you doing? Thank you for waiting. Hi, fine, thanks. Hi, yeah. Hi, yeah. Um, so I'll give you a chance just to introduce yourself, see where you are, where you're from and that whole kind of thing. And um, but then I want this section, if possible, to kind of be a chat about how to react if something happens. Um, now, I could have asked any of you people who have, have come and so kind to share your time to talk about that. But that's kind of the theme I want to address now. We've done everything we can to prevent it. Bam, it's happened. What do we do? How do we deal with it? So before we do that, though, would you be so kind as to introduce yourself? Let people listening know who you are, where you're from, in any order. Okay, I'll go first then. It's, it's Anne Cochran here. So uh, I'm great to be able to join us tonight and the amazing conversations that we've had um, on the chats and the background of all this meeting. So um, I'm based down in Kent, in Canterbury in Kent, uh, despite my Scottish accent, I'm in the southern side and uh, in the southeast along with Emma. Um, I actually work from home uh, and I live at home alone as well. So just a different angle from what we've been talking about earlier. Um, but I've um, had a number of different scenarios um, 
both from the initial phone calls, so the importance of all the screening component is really, as Verity was saying earlier, is the key thing for me as well, but also thinking about our own personal risk assessment uh, and how we go about that with just looking at our own businesses as well. Um, so I'll come back to some of that a bit later. Thanks, Anne. Okay, do you want me to go next? So my name is Sharon Headley. Um, I am um, part of the event STA team, so I organise lots of um, assage events. But um, my past is that I worked in adult mental health, um, locked wards, um, again, very similar to one of our other colleagues, um, and worked a lot of lone working. So I think that gave me um, a bit of an idea of how to screen and I do believe, you know, even with friends that are um, thinking of like smutty jokes to do with sports massage, I, I, I stop that quite quickly. Not, uh, you know, and I will say I'm not really comfortable with that and walk away from the situation. And I think sometimes, you know, we have to think about those risk assessments and what we're comfortable with and, and what we're not. So obviously we'll come on to discuss that in a bit. Last but not least, you've got no choice now, though. <laughs> Just being polite. Um, yeah, so I'm Emma Wardle. I'm one of the um, regional reps for the southeast of England. Um, I've been in the industry for about eight years now um, as a sports therapist. Um, I've kind of worked, just sort of a bit of background, I've worked in from kind of rugby teams to two clinics um, and probably for the last three, four years, um, maybe even five actually now, I've been uh, just working solely for myself, so I run my own clinic. Um, and all of these have been at actually three different locations. I've just recently moved, so we're actually in the middle of a garage conversion for a clinic, um, which will obviously be separate from the house and have a separate entrance. Um, but it's definitely interesting thinking about maybe when I've had some of the experiences so I've had one actually when I was at university we'll come back to that and then I would say actually when I've been at both of my clinics um, and there's been lots of other people around it's been kind of a gym um, worked with alongside physios don't think I've actually had any experiences working in you know somewhere where there's a lot of other people um, and then probably my other two or three experiences have always been actually when I've been working solely by myself um, I hadn't actually thought about that in great detail until now but it's quite interesting to think about in which situations um, things have occurred obviously shouldn't be happening in any situation um, but yeah it's interesting if you've got other people around you and obviously other therapists um, and you're working somewhere that's quite you know you've got a reception and other people around um, I think it obviously deters <laughs> Some of the issues that you you would get before we go on to dealing with when something's happened just could you go in a little bit more detail because i can't I, I think one of the take-home messages from this uh, episode is going to be how common these episodes are and how they can happen just like that so what have you was it mainly in rugby did you say emma where you've had situations no so um rugby's actually been uh fine um, I haven't normally most <laughs> most of the boys are pretty you know respectful there'll be a level of banter which you 
you know, you've got to try and find your own line and what's appropriate and what's not. For people who've worked at rugby clubs, they'll probably understand that. Um, my first experience was in uni, actually. So really, really early on, I think I was, uh, I don't know if I was first year or second year, but basically the university that I was at had um, a clinic in the university kind of for students to do placements and they'd have a supervisor there. They'd have kind of three or four rooms um, and they invited people. So I, I was actually based in Luton um, and then they invited kind of, you know, general public to actually come into the clinic. And obviously we'd uh, be doing our assessments and things like that. And one of my experiences was with um, a male who'd come in um, and actually thinking back on this, even though I was kind of young and starting out, I think I felt I still felt quite confident in the situation just because there was someone right outside the door supervising. So um, he was actually a, a foreign male. He didn't speak that good at English, but I think he probably understood more than he was actually letting on. I think he used that as a bit of a not understanding things. Um, and he was kind of sexually inappropriate and wanted me to, you know, touch areas um, and kind of, I think, was thinking it was a different type of uh, massage place. <laughs> um, and he proceeded to say a few things and I sort of said, you know, this is not what, you know, what we do here. We're strictly professional sports massage, you know, made it quite clear. And then when he carried on, I just because he was. I think he was face down on the couch. So I just stepped out of the room and went to the supervisor and said that this has happened. Um, and then she took over from there. So I think she was a, I can't remember if she was a teaching assistant or something, but she then went in, brought the male guy out. They had a conversation and he was banned from the clinic. So he wasn't allowed to um, come back. So in that situation, I felt quite safe because, you know, there were, it was at university, there was other um, other people around um, so yeah that one was yeah quite I, I kind of felt even though I was young I wasn't worried that you know I was on my own or I wasn't going to be able to get out of the room I kind of felt like I was sort of in control of the situation as much as you can be yeah it's a no credit to you you just seemed to deal with it straight away and made it clear is that down to your personality do you think and and feel free to come in Anne and Sharon but I can imagine other people I mean I can imagine myself a bit younger just kind of either freezing or not knowing what to say or you know do you think a few people wouldn't be able to react as clearly and cleanly as you did or had you had training already to deal with that if this happens just say that's not what we do here and report yeah no no from what I remember no training from university but I think the supervisor had said because it obviously wasn't just I mean this could have happened with another student as well it was open to kind of non-sports therapy people you know anyone else in the university so it could have been a student um but I think because they were aware that they'd opened the clinic up to the general public I think they had said to us you know it you know I think they'd given us a bit of a briefing if anything's you know you're not happy with anything if you know things aren't comfortable if you need us like we knew they were there's literally someone who sat on a desk outside the rooms um so not really much training i kind of remember that incident quite vaguely and i would say probably as i've got older um that was god quite a long time ago now 
Um, but I, I've definitely got more confident with stuff. I'm, I'm quite bold and, uh, I wouldn't say a fiery personality, but I, you know, I will stand up for myself. And I think that's kind of just grown as I've, you know, been working on my own. Um, normally I'll have someone like my other half at home. Um, and over COVID, obviously, when we have been able to work, he's been working from home the whole time. Um, and most of my clinics have sort of been separate-ish. Um, but again, all the time, I actually think being in your own home, I think you've probably got a little bit more of an advantage than if you're being mobile and going, obviously, you know, you know, kind of where the rooms are, where the exits are. Obviously, having someone else around is really key. Whereas I think I used to do mobile as well. And I used to do, you know, used to be traveling around late at night till nine o'clock at night in the dark. Um, and I actually don't think I've really, I, at the time, I don't think I really thought about that too much because I used to, again, be a carer before that. So I also used to be going out to clients' homes doing similar things. Um, but again, I remember when I was a carer, they give you a, a rape alarm which obviously I, uh, I actually still have, <laughs> but I haven't, haven't obviously had to um, use it. Okay, so yeah, um, speaking directly, directly laying the, the law down straight away. And um, you do work, did you say, by yourself at home, no one else around, no supervisor sitting downstairs at a desk? No. How have you managed to, have you ever had anything happening where you've had to deal with it? On the spot yeah i have had a few things over the years i've, I've run my business for four years from home now um, and yeah i do live alone so um i think i've spoken in the chat about um sometimes especially with a, a new client first client i have the imaginary friend in the lounge um that you just pretend that there's someone else there so obviously they don't know any different the tv might be on or something so there's some small things that you can do in that scenario and i very much focus on that safe guarding of myself you know it is my own home it's my own space um and so you've got to look after yourself so one year i am a judo trained so physically um there's nobody needs to mess and they'll be out the door um but on you know another side of it is a case of you know you know that self-respect and that you're not going to allow for anybody to kind of cross that line you know in your business in your home or wherever you are actually we, as women we just you know, us have our own rules and that's what you know is followed but um it doesn't necessarily always happen in the first um, treatment session as well i had a scenario where i had a client who i was i'd seen them for three appointments um, but as each appointment occurred, there was always little things being added in or requested, you know, that were getting borderline. Um, and to the extent that then in this third, third session with this client halfway through treatment, and they said, oh, you do realise that you could earn a lot more money if you did additional services. So right bang in the middle of, you know, a treatment session. So in my case, I just said, well, that's not, you know, part of what services I offer. I just was very blunt and clear about, you know, the expectations of the session. And I said, you know, we've actually only got a few minutes left of, well, about 10 minutes left of the session. I says, but I says, based on that conversation, I, and I closed the, the treatment, I stopped the treatment session uh, there and then just to really make clear that it wasn't acceptable. 
um, that particular client has obviously uh, tried to request further appointments and uh, funnily I've been a bit busy <laughs> so, uh, so I actually I just don't want that type of person in my clinic in my treatment room in my home and so you know there's a very blank line there but we think that it's, you know, these are probably more, not necessarily always this, I do a mixture of, I'll do sports therapy and other treatments as well as do oncology, cancer work as well. So, um, but what I've found is actually the biggest area of problem has been the more professional athlete clients who seem to think it's acceptable. You know, even though you've gone through all the, I do a screening, uh, very detailed screening, collect all their details, arrange a time to call back, and obviously walk through the expectations and to, you know, work through what it is their needs are and off, you know, almost like do that initial proposal of an initial consultation treatment plan. Um, also, until I see them physically, obviously you don't do a lot of that, but that initial kind of component. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, there's, there's the ones that we think it might be okay with actually can, can go that path as well. Um, so that's where it's very set in the clear expectations of, you know, like I, I used a quote in our earlier chats about what to wear, what not to wear. Uh, but some of them choose not to follow it, even though you've explicitly gone through these deals. So um, it is, unfortunately, I feel it's just a case of being strong, stand our ground and you'd be very clear of what's acceptable and what's not. Sadly, it happens. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got a common theme here, it seems, of, yeah, nipping it in the bud, mm. not letting it escalate, not thinking, oh, they're just, you know, recognising. I think um, Becky actually mentioned in the comments that sometimes working, for example, in a rugby club or kind of like if it's a male rugby club, you get to be able to have a better radar for banter and something a bit kind of like this isn't right. And it's easier to tell. So that's an interesting point there, Becky. And I think Fiona mentioned, Dr. Fiona Higgs said when she was on here before that, um, yeah, you can't, I think it was Fiona, you can't always judge a book by its yeah. cover. You know, sometimes um, they might seem, I mean, like, it's so hard. It's, the fact that it's like the third or fourth treatment where you think you've worked up a relationship with someone, they're paying you money, it's all going well. Yeah. And then bam, suddenly the sheep's clothing comes off and it's like, yeah, shocking. Ugh. Anyway, um, Sharon, yeah, nipping it in the bud. Is it something you've had to do? Yes, it, it is. Uh, um, there's been several times when I've needed to nip it in the bud. So um, having worked in football and um, uh, that area, such so like with, with young. Um, so I've worked in the, the academies, football academies, um, so there's sometimes been a bit of banter between parents while waiting to get their sons treated, nipped it in the bud then and just kind of like said, you know, that, that's not appropriate here. With the, the younger ones and the, the actual footballers, are very much again, you know, I'm not a masseuse, I'm a sports therapist, or, you know, I do sports massage. You know, making making those boundaries really clear and letting them know exactly what is acceptable what's not um, like you say you can tell when there's a bit of banter and a bit of silliness but i think the sooner you nip it in the bud the better it is um you know having that clear boundary this is what i am i am a professional you know and, and just making that really clear to them from the beginning um for my own business i'm very clear of so my target audience it, or my target client is female 40, you know, um, rather than I don't put in for male 
40, I put female, um, 40, professional, possibly with family, that kind of thing. That's my target client, and I think that's quite important as well. So putting those, um, so maybe using um, on your Facebook page, frequently asked questions, what should I wear, t-shirt, shorts, you know, vest top, shorts, that kind of thing. So making sure that, you know, you, you, you've got those things down. So if somebody's looking through, it's all very clear, you know, what they want to wear. But it's also, you know, just making sure you're safe around that environment. So I, I do, or did do, up until COVID, I have a, an annex just sort of like a few steps away from my actual house um, and work there alone. But they wouldn't have known whether there was somebody in the house here or not. You know, they wouldn't have known if there was uh, intercom or anything else. So I would say, you know, somebody's at home, somebody's just across the way, or, you know, my next client that sits and waits in the car or comes and knocks on the door kind of thing. Um, but I must admit, the, the pre-screening that I did and, and would still do is very much, you know, making sure I've got a name, telephone number, where they live, and how they've got, how they've got to me in the first place. Is it word of mouth or, you know, how, how they've got to me, how did they know me? And I might even ring up, you know, a client and say, oh, have you sent somebody to me? And they go, oh yes, yeah, I've sent so-and-so to you. You know, I was in the golf club and I, I told them about you. So I know where they've come from. So I, the only cold calls I've had are people that have asked for extras. So apart from needles and a bit of tape, there's no extras in my in my job. And I've cut them down, I've blocked them straight away. I'm wondering whether there's a common theme. Sadly, well, there's only three of you on the screen. I could have put this to any of the other, or where people are listening um, uh, uh, on live as well. But it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in most of these circumstances that I've heard about, it's more a gradual process as if the client is testing the water, maybe with a comment, maybe with letting the towel slip off. Oh, I made a mistake rather than actual straight in with some kind of like handling or abuse that way. Is that kind of the theme or is any, do you know of anybody who's actually been in a position where there's been none of this banter or they've just literally just grabbed out inappropriately? I think pretty much all of mine have been, uh, quite gradual or comments. I wouldn't say I've had, most of mine have actually been, again, I've had uh, someone who I saw for one session and he was actually linked with the rugby club that I used to work for. So I thought, you know, that'd be fine. I think he was new there. Um, and he kind of already gave me some behavioural issues that he had. He kind of, and I, I kind of in the back of my head, I was thinking, OK, well, for example, he'd said something like ADHD and I was thinking that's fine, but that doesn't excuse, obviously, kind of things said and things like that. So he actually I never saw him for a second session because he um, ended up kind of, you know, I think for me, I, I didn't think it was that subtle, but some people might look at it and think it was quite subtle what he Kind of said and i just said you know you've made it clear that you're going to find a male therapist and whether that's because you're insinuating other things um there was other stuff of like just questioning what i was charging and this and that and i just thought you know i'm not gonna and i sort of just wrote him a message but again this was over um 
uh, kind of over message as well. Um, so over text message. Um, and I probably had more experiences with shutting stuff down over technology rather than in person. I think it gets very, again, for me, I think I've been able to handle it because I've been a little bit back from the situation. I think if something happened actually while someone was on the couch or, you know, if it was, you know, if they said something, I could probably say, okay. Oh, we've no, we just lost them. But yeah, I can say with them, uh, they, I've had um, a couple instances in the in the actual coach scenario as well, which have just closed off and you know, I guess just been strong at the time and uh, just said it wasn't acceptable and asked them to leave. But I have cut off an awful lot of others that were going down that path, as I was saying, with the phone calls, text messages, and you just have to ask the right questions and, uh, and you know, they've never got to the door type of thing. So... And there, but there's been quite a number and it goes through phases i haven't had any for ages and then you get a little flurry of them so um the businessmen on their way to the city uh for a, a meeting want to stop in on the way home or you know the one that says oh can i do a late appointment um and i'll bring a bottle of wine you know the, the things that you get then that way you know just right away are the ones that you're just not going to let across the doorstep Fascinating. Right, look, um, we're past. So, um, yeah, take home messages. It does seem to be, yeah, listen to your your inner self, your voice warning you, um, cutting it, nipping the bud. Don't let it escalate. Don't think that you're overreacting. Um, it's a preventative thing, which um, sounds great. I think um, Emma has just managed to join. There we go. So, Emma, you lost us. We were worried Sorry, about guys, you. that was okay. really awful timing. That was laptop. <laughs> I thought, no. <laughs> we're rounding it up anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Um, we're going, as I said in the beginning, um, if anybody watching this has been affected by it and need to chat or need some support or report or whatever it is, Sharon, we've organized, haven't we, an email, a way of contacting yeah, so we've decided to use our events at Fester. I'll, I'll put it in the, the comments in the .co.uk. So it's a, an SDA one. So we're using that rather than my own personal one. Um, if we feel then that we need to get a Pacific one that is just for, for us to be able to support, we'll do that. And obviously the details will come out. Um, we'll put it on the Facebook page um, and obviously we'll forward all the messages to that. So, um, is that Gary? Gary's already put it up on there, so that, that's fantastic. Oh, fantastic, yeah. So, it'll be events, so at the moment, obviously, I'm not, you, we're not doing any events at the moment, so it will be, there's myself and I think Gary, yeah, we will both be replying to that and, and you know, we're here to talk and support and, and to look after you. Um, but I think very much risk assessments is definitely something that you need to do um, as much as you would do a fire safety risk assessment. I think you need to think about, you know, making sure that you know your way out of a building, uh, whether it's for a fire or whether it's, you know, for your own personal support. And um, Holly, the Holly Guard is something as well that maybe you can put on the phones because if you shake your phone, it will sound an alarm. Um, and 
a, a police officer told me you never shout rape or anything like that, always shout fire. You will get help with fire rather than, you know, um, anything else. And that's, unfortunately, that's society of today, but some, some people don't want to get involved. But, you know, um, that's, that, that was my advice that was given to me a long time ago. Um, and, yeah, you know, it sad truth, isn't it? So there we go. Um, yeah, and just talk. One of the common things sitting back and listening to you all is has been this kind of thing of it's it's a horrible world out there, but it's nice to know I'm not alone. That I'm not imagining it. That I'm not overreacting. That seems to be a common theme in the in the experience you get. So if anyone is out there and they're thinking, oh my god, this thing happened to me, you probably do want to talk it through, and there'll be people who can give you um, advice um, and Gary's already put in the comments so I'll read it out because it kind of sums it up really um, Gary said thank you to everyone who has joined um, us as a guest this evening um, I'm saddened by the prevalence of incidents and vow to do everything we can from the STA to raise awareness and create a support network so these incidents can be discussed in a safe environment and appropriate guidance given um, Gary goes on to say we are developing our resources packs which go to every new member and will be made available to every member ASAP. So there we go. Right. Um, thank you so much, everybody who's joined us. Um, apologies to, I can still see speakers there down in the lobby. I just want to bring up now and just say thank you face to face, but I can't do it because it just won't happen. So my thanks to everyone who has um, joined us tonight. Um, and um, Again, just to reiterate, if you need to talk to someone, events at the sta.co.uk. Or obviously, if you want to reach out to any of the speakers here, there's me saying, yeah, just contact the speakers, they'll be fine with it. But I'm pretty sure that um, um, they're all okay. If you feel there's somebody who you can identify with, then um, yeah, check them out. And I'm sure they won't mind you contacting them. They might put you through some screening, first of all, to check who you are. But you'll, yeah, um, do reach out to them. Can I add right. one more thing? Sorry. What was that? I was gonna I was gonna add one last thing that I think, yeah, go for it. Um, uh, I think it was Heather's just put in the chat, which I think is really important. Um, obviously, we're talking about all of our bad experiences, um, but obviously, the majority of my clients are lovely, um, and obviously, it's we all have to think about this, but also to maybe newer therapists. I don't want to. We don't want to put people off and scare people so much that this is gonna you know happen it's just trying to make it aware and having some precautions um in but yeah the majority of my clients are lovely <laughs> yeah no absolutely agree I'm, yeah. I'm the same it's like you know the odd occurrence so yeah the odd occurrence but they shouldn't happen no, wipe it out. <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah true thank you for that Heather. thanks for reminding us yeah um it's a bit like crime watch isn't it you know be vigilant but don't be afraid and think that every single client is a wolf at the door right brilliant thanks for that heather so um next week um we will be uh joined by guest liam richardson who is head of content at therapy expo um so uh, liam is going to be talking us obviously about therapy expo coming up november 25th and 6th i think um and he's going to be particularly focusing on the putting together an event obviously post covid we're not out of the war yet it's still very much in people's minds there's still people who are frightened by it um so yeah liam's going to be talking all about therapy expert but also about the precautions being put into place uh, to deal with the fact that we're still kind of in a pandemic 
that'll be next tuesday at eight o'clock as always either on the youtube channel if you want to join us live or sports derby association facebook page right i think that's it people thank you so much everybody who's joined us and Anne and sharon and emma who've been the last faces on the screen that you'll be able to see um i don't have the last word let one of you sign us off with something wise and i don't want to be i don't want to close out with a male voice i don't feel like i've got the right it's probably my place one of you closed out for tonight what are you gonna say and i'm just gonna stop definitely it definitely say keep 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 talking you know we're here for support keep talking you know everyone you know just just make sure that if any concerns that you talk you talk to somebody somebody that will listen and i'm hoping that tonight you know we'll bring a few more people forward that we can help and support and you know well done for everyone coming forward tonight i can say good night all can i yeah good night all that's great thanks for joining us You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.